With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at First, first Listen. Listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to the Best of the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the Best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Boom! What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Coming to you from the City of Angels. Got a chance to see Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who the Clippers believe are the top point guard from last year's NBA draft. Clips debuted their preseason slate last night. Lakers playing game two at Staples in the preseason. LeBron James era will continue to react to the GM poll. We got Thursday night football a uh, rivalry renewed, sort of. T.Y. Hilton probably doesn't play. The Colts have no running game. But Andrew Luck's back. It's the same organization that thought they were getting uh, the, the Patriots' offensive coordinator as their head coach until he went all, uh, he went all Bobby Kremens on them and changed, changed his mind. He went all Greg Mar. Actually, Greg Marshall changed his mind once. He went all Dana Altman changed. Remember, Dana Altman was the was the Arkansas head coach for like a week, and he's like, "Dude, I'm getting back to Creighton." So it has happened before, but it hadn't happened in the NFL. We will discuss what took. We'll discuss what took place 
uh, and how it shapes tonight's game. And oh yeah, by the way, the Colts are the NFL narcs on the Patriots. Remember that? You deflated your footballs. Then they filled them up with air and kicked the hell out of them. That did, in fact, happen. Deflategate was after the AFC Championship game against said Indianapolis Colts. Lot and Julian Edelman. No needles this time. We'll come back and play for the Patriots after sitting out four games for PEDs. And then we have Red Sox-Yankees. I, I will get to the Red Sox-Yankees. A rival renewed, sort of. Hadn't played in the playoffs since the greatest comeback in the history of sports, 2004. Man, was that amazing. But we'd be remiss if we tried to act like it was the exact same. Oh, it's the same thing. Like, yeah, no, they've won two World Series since then. So 14 years ago, these teams met. A lot has changed. But still, it's the best rivalry in the sport and two of the best teams in the sport and while, while last night's game was over almost before it started against the Oakland A's. But speaking of Oakland, I wanted to get to John Gruden. John Gruden continued to wage war with his own front office, or did he? If you read Twitter, if you read the reactions of many of my media cohorts, if you watch sports on TV, you might be appalled at what John Gruden had to say about Derwin James and why the Raiders chose to pass on Derwin James. Quote, we want to take Derwin James. Everybody wanted Der- Derwin James. But he said, however, pointed out the obstacle entering the 2018 draft was that the Raiders previously used a first round pick on Carl Joseph in 2016 and a second round pick on safety Obi Milafoyu in 2017. Quote, he's an intimidating player. He's a physical presence. I think he's got range to play deep. He's got great coverage ability. He can run through you. He can run around you. He can run right over you. He's a dynamite young player. He'll be one of the building blocks in L.A. for a long time for the Chargers. Derwin James, by the way, three sacks already on the season, leading all defensive backs in the National Football League. And he's got at least one. Does he have two picks? I think he's got two picks on the year. Derwin James is the real deal. It should be pointed out that the Chargers feel the exact same way about Pat Mahomes that the Raiders feel the Raiders feel about Derwin James. They really liked Pat Mahomes. And of course, the Chiefs ended up trading up to 10 to get Pat Mahomes, but they really, really liked him and instead took Forrest Lamp, who got hurt and is now a backup waiting for his chance. I love Lamp. Anchorman loves Lamp, right? Ron Burgundy... I love Lamp. But Pat Mahomes appears to be a superstar at the most important position in the NFL. And the Chargers are still searching for the replacement for Phillip Rivers whenever PR decides to sit it down. But what happens when John Gruden speaks the truth and gives context to why, hey, if you like Derwin James, why don't you take Derwin James? Why'd you take an offensive lineman? Uh, Derwin James leads the Chargers defense and tackles at 26, sacks at three, passes defense at six. Why'd they take an offensive lineman if you like Derwin James? You would love Derwin James so much. This must be a shot at Reggie McKenzie. That's what it is. Must be a shot at Reggie McKenzie. 
And of course, when you go back to when they traded Khalil Mack and he talked about how Khalil Mack was great a couple years ago when they made the playoffs, but the rest of the defense wasn't, that had to be a shot at Reggie McKenzie. Now, I'm not saying that Reggie McKenzie and John Gruden aren't ultimately going to part company at the end of this year. I think that's logical. Logical. Gruden has been given carte blanche, a 10-year, $100 million, or somewhere in the neighborhood contract to fix the Raiders. They were fixed before, and he walked into a camp of guys that he didn't draft with front office guys that he didn't previously work with. No one rolls that way in the sport. Anyone who tells you otherwise is lying. Normally, general managers want to hire their coach. In this case, the owner hired the coach, which means the coach will hire the general manager. Just hasn't happened yet. But somehow, John Gruden has become Donald Trump. Excuse me, President Trump. No, I I have not talking about there's video of him on a bus over a decade ago. No, they both have bizarre hairstyles. There is that. There is that, right? And and they both kind of have an orangish hue. But that's kind of where it ends in terms of the comparison. What I mean by that is anytime the president says anything at a press conference or a pep rally or he tweets it out, it's take it's taken as defamation of somebody else's character. We just run with it. When the reality of what John Gruden is saying is. Hey, look, I like Derwin James. Thought he's great. You know, I lived in South Florida. Of course, I saw Florida State play. I evaluated for the NFL draft for a decade for ESPN. Of course, I like Derwin James. But we just drafted two defensive backs the last two years. Hey, those guys are under contracts. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense to simply go by your board when you have so many other needs on a team that won six games. Now, maybe he could have contextualized it a little bit better, or maybe we just have the inability to listen. I'm not going to sit here and defend everything the president has said or done, but I will say that everything that he says and things that he does aren't always to defame somebody else's character, aren't always a way of trolling somebody on Twitter or trolling somebody in the media. Some of that does, in fact, happen. Our massive overreaction. Men. If he did, did in fact say, as uh, was it Mike Silver that who, who wrote about it? Mike Silver wrote about it earlier this week. If he did, in fact, say, Are you kidding me? Khalil Mack had another strip sack? That, that doesn't mean that he made a mistake. He knew Khalil Mack was awesome. None of this is surprising. He said, I mean, they said, hey, two first round picks, and people laughed at the Raiders for wanting two first round picks for a guy that you had to give the biggest contract in the history of the sport for his position to. And you know what he got? Two first round picks. When he said it's really hard to find rush linebackers, rush defensive ends, people took it and ran with it. They didn't listen to the full context of the quote in which he said, Hey, it's tough. It's tough to find because of the way college football is taught is coached and played in the offensive side of the ball. Guys can't get home. They get rid of it way too quickly. We got to reteach offensive linemen. We got to reteach linebackers. And we got a couple guys we're working with, and we're still trying to find defensive line help. Everybody in the NFL, outside of the Bears and a couple other teams, is trying to find defensive line help. You're either trying to find a quarterback, you're trying to find a defensive lineman, or you're trying to fix an uh, offensive line. 
But the Patriots don't have great pass rushers. Patriots trade away Brandon Cooks. And now they lack speed in the offense. None of these teams that trade away these players think the players stink. They're just trying to balance out how good a guy is with how much money he makes and how they can fit it around a team concept. But for whatever reason, I, I know what the reason is. I mean, I know what the reason is. The reason that we overreact to Trump stuff is this is not the way in which a president has ever carried himself. Ever. Ever. It, it's not the things he says and does. It's the way he says them and the way he does them. We just haven't had that kind of de- decorum from the leader of the free world. We've had this type of honesty from coaches before. We've even had infighting between coaches and general managers before. The difference is, you know how much money John Gruden makes, and that's making people go crazy. None of us have any idea truly how much Bill Belichick makes. I mean, that's really the same thing with Jim Harbaugh. Oh, Harbaugh makes the third most of any coach. I heard Clay Travis. He's so overpaid. Clay Travis is not dumb, but it's a really, really dumb statement. It's really, it's lost on how business actually works. Because the only way to get Jim Harbaugh to not coach in the NFL was to pay him NFL money. The only way to get John Gruden to come back from a lifetime appointment as Monday Night Football's color analyst was to pay him crazy money. John Madden did it for 30 years. And John Madden occasionally would be rumored to go after a job. And John Gruden was, John Gruden was in the same thing. Remember, Cowboys might hire him. Hell, the Cowboys hired a bunch of his, uh, his assistant coaches thinking a couple years ago, before the Cowboys had that 13-win season, if things didn't work out, they were going to go hire Gruden. Tennessee tried. Other people have tried. The only way to get a guy who makes FU money is to up the FU money. To give him, it's, the old, it's the godfather. Make him an offer he can't refuse. Sean Connery once played an imaginary dragon. Right? Sir Sean Connery. What? You want me to play what? For how much? I'll be there tomorrow. Right? That's the way it works. So you can be mad, but you don't allow, you're not allowing the context of the situation to determine what somebody's salary is. What do they make? How do we get them to turn down what they make, their happiness, uproot them, their whole family, and get them to our place? You know? You have made up your mind that John Gruden somehow is some is massively overpaid because you, you have no idea what other coaches make. You have no idea the structure of the deal. You don't understand that the salary cap does not apply to coaches. You don't realize that part of this is done because they're moving to Vegas and Vegas needs a name head coach to sell those private seat licenses on. And he had a lifetime appointment gig. So instead of overreacting to the possibility that a guy who nearly took the Raiders to the Super Bowl and made them relevant last time around and did win a Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, was was incredibly well regarded as a great football guy. And yeah, you probably had to overpay to get him. That's what you got to do. Oh, the Angels shouldn't have paid Albert Pujols $300 million to come over from St. Louis. You, you had to. 
He off got offered more money by the by the Marlins, but they're the Marlins. This is the way business works. So instead of reacting to what reacting to what he's saying, thinking it 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 doesn't bode well for Reggie McKenzie, it might not. Instead of reacting to it or overreacting because of how much money he makes, he's right. You can love Derwin James, but I didn't need another Derwin James. By the way, he just lost Donald Penn, his starting left tackle. Lo and behold, he drafted an offensive lineman in the first round. Maybe he knows a little bit something about what he's doing. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. So let's check in with Ed Werder, who joins us every week. He's an NFL insider, has been for most of his professional life. You can follow him on Twitter at RFA and check out his Doomsday podcast. He joins us here as we're hours away from Thursday night football. Let me ask you first, Ed, about tonight. The Colts, are, they, they make no bones about it. They're throwing every time. I think Andrew Luck dropped back 66 times. He actually threw the ball 62 times. But uh, it appears as though T.Y. Hilton's not going to play. How healthy are the Colts heading into Thursday night football? Uh, not very healthy. In fact, uh, T.Y. Hilton is out of the game, and he's only missed two games in his seven-year career. So uh, this is going to be a daunting challenge for a team with a – you know, a bunch of young running backs. They don't have much of a, uh, a run game. They're going to get back uh, Robert Turbin, a veteran uh, who we associate mostly with the time he spent in Seattle, was also in Dallas briefly. Uh, but they've really struggled to run the ball. They're only averaging 3.6 yards a carry, 26 in the NFL. But at least now they have an experienced back, and you got to think that uh, they're going to have to throw to the back some tonight in the game. So having that veteran in there could help them some. But uh, this still appears to be a decided mismatch. Yes, and they, they should have tied the Texans, right? That I mean, that's what should have happened. And considering that, you know, you go back a couple months ago and Andrew Luck hadn't thrown a football, and they had a first-time head coach, and their roster, you go back a year ago, was maybe the worst in the National Football League. they got to feel pretty good about where they are considering where they've been, correct? Well, I, I think the thing that's reassuring to them is they went into last week's game and, and because everybody surmised, uh, you know, and tried to protect Andrew Luck's shoulder coming off that surgery, he had the lowest uh, average per attempt in the league going into that game. And as you mentioned, he came out of it, 62 pass attempts, 464 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions, threw a Hail Mary uh, at the end of the half. So he did everything but win the game. Uh, in fact, he became the second player in NFL history to lose with 450 passing yards, four TDs, and no interceptions. So uh, it was really more on uh, the Colts' defense to a certain extent, but they were also put in a lot of bad situations. You know, Luck uh, was tackled and gave up the ball in the end zone for a Jadavion Clowney touchdown. Uh, they lost another fumble on their own seven-yard line, and of course then they gave up the decisive three points when Frank Reich elected to go for it in a situation where I think uh, almost nobody would have uh, but one of his mentors, Doug Peterson, might have, and he won the Super Bowl with that kind of attack mentality last year. How's that received around the league? Like, I know players come out like, oh, I, I love that he went for it. Uh, my reaction is like, look, it's fourth and four. It's not like it's fourth and inches. And if you get the first down, you don't win the game. It's not like the Patriots have gone for it on fourth down when they have the ball instead of punting, thinking we get one first down, we get one more yard, we win the game. It, they still would have had to complete at least two more passes in those 
20 some odd sex seconds and then make a field goal, albeit an indoor field goal. Um, so it wasn't a locked up cinch. I, I think it was a misstep. I think it saved the Texan season. Otherwise they're Oh three and one. How's yeah. it being received around the league? Well, you know, I, I mean, you make a good point there. I, I think it's, it's always viewed through the lens of success and failure. I mean, Mike Vrabel uh, with the Titans, a uh, first-year head coach, uh, went for it in, in overtime and on, what, third and fifth, fourth and 15th instead of trying a 50-yard field goal. And Marcus Mariota made the play, and they wind up winning the game uh, on a touchdown. So uh, that was a bigger gamble, I think, than the one Frank Reich took. And uh, Reich's been criticized and Vrabel hailed as a genius. So it all depends really on, on how it turns out. Edward are joining us on the Doug Gottlieb show. What about the Patriots? Um, Rob Gronkowski says it says he's going to try and play. What's the likelihood he does play? Yeah, you know, what's interesting about this game, Doug, is it's the first time that the Colts have been back to Foxborough since the 2014 AFC Championship game. And we uh, all know what that game was remembered for. The deflate gate allegations began from there. Um, and the other interesting part of the game, I think, for for Tom Brady, who's really struggled in the passing game. You know, last week they got Josh Gordon on the field and got him involved. Uh, and now he's got not only Gronk, uh, not completely healthy, but uh, he's on the field, as is Julian Edelman, who's so important to them in their offense uh, out of the slot and, and able to go out wide, a guy who gets open early in his routes. So uh, Brady doesn't have to take a lot of hits to try to get him the football. And this is the first time that Gronk and Edelman have played together in nearly two full seasons. Yep. So uh, I think we should, from this point forward, start to see the Patriots uh, perform better on offense. And, and obviously they're 2-2, two and two, but they've been in this position many times before uh, and have gone on to, to win Super Bowls. So uh, I think the Patriots got to feel good about the direction they're headed. Raiders have a virtual home game. They're playing in, in Carson against the Chargers. If, you, if you're not familiar with Los Angeles, uh, that area of L.A. is Raiders Central. And so uh, that, in addition to the fact that Chargers fans, frankly, want to stay as, as far away from Raider fans as possible, I'm guessing it's like 90% silver and black. Still, the Chargers a better team, albeit just uh, one win better on the resume at 2-2 two and two in, in, in this season. And John Gruden, once again, uh, <laughs> at least saying something that can mildly be taken as a shot across the bow yeah. at, at his general manager. Now, look, w- when I read it, when I read it, it's, he says, "Like, look, we took a we took a safety both the past two years. No matter how much I love Derwin James, we can't take a safety this year." Um, so I I think he was providing context to why if he liked Derwin James so much, he didn't take Derwin James. Am am I am I being way too kind? Is is he simply going after Reggie? Well, I mean, this on top of uh, some of the other comments that he made, you know, during the time Khalil Mack was being traded. Uh, it, it just doesn't look like there's a lot of synergy between the head coach and the general manager that he acquired when he took the head coaching position with the Raiders again. And, I mean, there were many ways that John Gruden could have expressed his appreciation for Derwin James and his expectation that he was going to be a unique defensive player in the NFL without, uh, you know, going into reasons why the Raiders didn't draft him then. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a bad look for uh, for Gruden, and it's probably pretends uh, to a, a bad end of the of Reggie McKenzie's career as a general manager as soon as the season's over. Ed Werder joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. It didn't take long for Ryan Fitzpatrick to lose that gig in Tampa. They kind of let nature take its course, if you will, and it happened. Uh, it happened really in in one half. Some of it his fault, but a lot of it not his fault. How has that move been received 
uh, by everyone else in the Tampa organization? Well, I think because Dirk Cutter allowed it to happen organically, um, I think it's what everybody knew was an eventuality, and the timing of it was the unknown. And, you know, they're getting blown out in Chicago, and Fitzpatrick is playing poorly for the for the second time in two weeks. He had the really bad first half against the Pittsburgh Steelers where he turned he threw interceptions on three consecutive possessions uh, and allowed the Steelers a 20-point halftime lead before leading a comeback. Uh, I don't think anybody is surprised that the franchise is committed long-term to Jameis Winston. And that, you know, it's like, like Dirk Cutter, he knows that if he's going to be the head coach in the, bo- in the Bucks organization for any length of time, it's going to be because not of what Ryan Fitzpatrick does. It's going to be because of what Jameis Winston's able to do with the quarterback position. And, uh, you know, you look at, at Ryan Fitzpatrick, I mean, he, he did his job. He was a backup quarterback. Uh, he was faced with making th- three expected starts while Winston was suspended. Played one, two of them. Played so well, he deserved a third. Uh, and now it's Winston's turn to do the job that he was brought in to do. Ed Werder joining us. Ed, the Dallas Cowboys seem to need more help at wide receiver. They found a way to get Ezekiel Elliott the ball, both uh, handing it off to him and throwing it to him out of the backfield. They fed him till he burped last week and got a got a much needed home win over the Detroit Lions. And suddenly now, Des Bryant tweets out, man, I'd, I'd love to play for the Dallas Cowboys first, but I'll go play for somebody else. And Jason Garrett says something nice along the lines of, like, hey, we really like Des, but we're, we're focused on the guys we have here. Give me percentage chance that the Dallas Cowboys go back down the Des Bryant road. Well, and I think the other thing that uh, Jason Garrett said that really exposed what they truly think of Des Bryant was he said he was – a great player at the receiver position. He didn't say he is a great player at the receiver position. Uh, I think that Dez has a genuine love of the organization and would dearly love to come back and uh, play for the Cowboys again. I think he's willing to put um, uh, everything aside in terms of their, their their recent past. And, you know, he, he made some very unflattering allegations uh, that I think preclude him from ever going back into the Cowboys locker room. He called uh, Sean Lee a snake. Yep. Uh, he, he, he criticized Jason Garrett um, and Scott Linehan for their conservative play calling. And he, and he didn't just do it in an emotional moment where he was released. And, and understandably, he's angry about being released at all, but particularly when it happened, it was a month into free agency, so most teams had already spent you know all of the significant money that they were going to high-profile players, and so he was clearly disadvantaged by the timing of the, of the decision. And, uh, but beyond that, even when they were losing their season opener uh, against Carolina, he was live-tweeting and, and sort of trolling them the entire game. So uh, I don't think he's done himself any favors uh, with how he's handled it uh, on social media. I have to say that I understood what they were doing. He hadn't lived up to his contract. He wasn't an elite player anymore. He was still being paid that way. Uh, but I really thought that some of these guys that they brought in or somebody they drafted could perform to the level that Dez did sort of the last three years when he wasn't uh, producing huge numbers anymore. Uh, but that hasn't proven to be true. And so I think Jerry Jones was greatly reluctant to, to make this move with Dez, to let him go. Uh, so I could certainly see Jerry being tempted uh, and willing to bring him back, and I think it's a matter of people like Garrett and uh, Will McClay and Stephen Jones 
prevailing upon Jerry not to go in that direction again. I think it's highly unlikely, but because of Jerry's involvement and his love of Dez, I wouldn't completely rule it out. Wouldn't completely rule it out. Fascinating. Aaron Rodgers had some less than flattering comments about the game planning and play calling, and I think he's been a little bit frustrated with some of his young wide receivers. How how bad are are the issues in Green Bay? Well, you know, Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers have been together for 13 years, with Rodgers being the starting quarterback for the last 10 of those. And there have certainly been times when uh, tensions existed between the two of them. Uh, For example, I know Rodgers was displeased a few years ago when McCarthy took over the play calling from Tom Clements, uh, who was someone that Rodgers really valued. Um, And and again, you know, they win the game the other day 22 to nothing. And Rodgers is talking about it was a championship-level performance on defense, but not on offense. Um, and I think it, it, it's worth pointing out that as much as he complained about the fact that Devontae Adams and Jimmy Graham should have been more involved uh, in the game plan, uh, you know, Rodgers does have a voice and always has been allowed to have a voice in, uh, in their game plans week-to-week by McCarthy. Uh, and so I think some of this is probably the result of Rodgers being injured and not being a part of practice uh, since he got hurt in week one. He's been there on a limited basis and really has only practiced on the days before games. Uh, so, so I think that's part of it. Uh, and I think they need to put all of that aside going forward because right now Randall Cobb, Geronimo Allison, and Devontae Adams are all on the injury report, uh, which makes, means the Packers could have to play with the only three healthy wideouts they have on their roster and those are all rookies that they drafted this year, and they've combined for two catches and 41 yards. Ed Werder, incredible insight and information. He's been doing it for uh, more than a quarter century. Ed Werder, NFL insider at Ed Werder RFA, or check out his Doomsday podcast or listen to him as he joins us weekly on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Can't wait for Thursday night football, especially after all the info you gave us, Ed. Appreciate you being our guest. Thanks, Doug, for having me. I look forward to next week as well. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. While doing sideline, I got a chance to interview the head coach of Oklahoma State football, and that, of course, was Les Miles. Now, uh, Les had been the offensive coordinator when I first got to school at Oklahoma State. Then he left, went to work for the Cowboys for a couple years, came back in, coached Oklahoma State to bowl game after bowl game after bowl game, beating Oklahoma, something that hadn't been done as consistently, maybe ever, even 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 now, as good as Mike Gundy's done, good job as Mike Gundy's done, he wasn't as successful against Oklahoma as Les was. He left, went to LSU, won a national championship, won the SEC twice, three SEC Western Division crowns, and uh, now is taking on, among other things, acting. You see him on the weekends, those great Dr. Pepper ads. He's kind enough to spend some time with us here on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Les, how are you? Doug Gottlieb was been a long time, babe. I uh, I can remember when there was a um, a transfer guard into the uh, Oklahoma State team, and we watched him play effort, you know, with effort and energy and and make plays. And uh, I uh, yeah I uh, I remember I remember old Doug the young Doug Gottlieb. <laughs> so. so so I mean, like uh, honest question, how are you? Like this is watching. Watching other men uh, that are your contemporaries coach football teams, some having great success, LSU having great success so far this year. How are you personally handling this time? I am, uh, I am one pursuing my sons, watching them uh, at uh, UNC and Texas A and M, uh, and 
I um, watching my 15-year-old daughter play fast-pitch softball, watching my 24-year-old work in a position so that she can sit in the chair that you're sitting in, Doug, and um, enjoying uh, what would be a a feel of a theatrical um, pursuit, you know, doing a little acting and things like that. But but still, uh, it's... If you, if you had to order and, and put in order the, uh, the want for me, it's all about football. I want to coach college football. I want I want some AD and president to be proud to say, hey, listen, I am I am introducing Les Miles to my team. Um, and uh, that being said, um, that's 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 kind of how I'd like to see it go. I, I've spent enough time. In, in game plan and in a uh, in a position to um, make my team better on the practice field, I'm I'm used to it. I, I last last Saturday that I was here, I didn't have I, I could not uh, get to my sons, so I had to watch that. Uh, I had put turn three TVs on and I'm rolling around the house with my daughters, saying, "You got to be kidding me!" and and enjoying the call and the strategy and the view of college football and that uh, is something that I always want to want you, to have. You know, so, it's yeah, if I get a chance, Doug, I hope to go and play and coach. Um, you know, it's interesting because when, when you got to Oklahoma State, when you came back from the NFL, that was right when the spread, that's Mike Leach, of course, came in with Oklahoma and he brought the spread to the Big 12. Then he leaves, goes to Texas Tech and now, you know, the league's almost all spread and they're they're running different types of of zone read as well as as kind of the pure spread and your style, which was kind of more traditional, right? You know, you using fullback, using counter tray, using big offensive linemen. Very few teams, very few teams still operate that way. I, I think the question would be: Has the game evolved such that you can't play that way anymore? That everybody has to run some sort of spread game, some sort of tempo game. I think there's always a point in time for a uh, a. Uh, an opportunity to move the football and control the clock. And at some point in time, you know, in every game, there's the, the uh, short yardage uh, um, position where you have to gain a yard. And to take a, a gun snap um, at five yards and hand it off at five yards is not what you want to do. Okay, so there's going to be times where you're not in a, in a gun spread okay and so but i think the spread it allows you to move the football through the air and allows you to uh um play action and get some really big plays based on the fact that uh um you can fake the line of scrimmage with the quarterback as a run right. and, and pull up a free safety or a corner or a linebacker for that matter, whatever the matchup you'd like, and get the ball in that in that area. And that makes and that to me is, is one of the reasons why spread is best. And back in when I was coaching at Oklahoma State, we did a lot of quarterback run with um, Tony Lindsay. Tony Lindsay when you're offensive coordinator, sure, Alamoville. That's correct. And and so those those things were 
um, were in, in place. It just it wasn't. We didn't call it spread. We called it uh, uh, two tight ends and, and a, uh, a, uh, a uh, two wide receivers, which would be you know a an opportunity to put a big tall guy on the perimeter. And uh, I, I guess what I'm saying is is that there's a lot of variations, and I think we were using a lot of the spread thought um, minus the zone read back when I was the offensive coordinator with Tony Lindsay. Les Miles, Les Miles, former head coach at Oklahoma State, former head coach at LSU, of course, most famously. Joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Your struggles to find consistent quarterback play is, is really, you know, in all honesty, we all know kind of what undid you. Um, they seem to have, you know, Joe Burrow was really inconsistent, seemed competent, but comes over from Ohio State, doesn't have a ton of time, and now all of a sudden he's steadily improved I know yet you don't spend every moment of the day watching and breaking down LSU tape, but you did sit down, happen to watch three games at once last weekend. Is Joe Burrow good enough to where now LSU finally has competent quarterback play to go along with the depth of athletes that you guys have recruited there for years? Absolutely, I think I think Joe is a uh, a guy that understands that, uh, that. First of all, he comes from a coaching family. He's Mister um, Ohio football. And uh, and he is a, a, an athletic man. I mean, he is a guy that can run it and, and can and control it. And in my opinion, is a guy that is, has the ability uh, to do all those things that uh, that, uh, that 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 would make that team better. And uh, I think he's made real smart decisions. I don't think he's thrown a pick. I don't think he's had a, a fumble. And he runs the football. So, in my opinion, you know, when they picked up Joe, and Joe was a backup at Ohio State, that that was a tremendous get. Uh, Alabama seems to have handled this, this, you know, benching Jalen Hurts and starting Tua as well as you possibly could have, could could handle it. Uh, what's what's the keys to keeping everybody happy, not just the quarterbacks, but the parents as well? Well, winning is the first thing. You know, the opportunity to go play for a national championship is is a tremendous um, caveat. It's a it's a tremendous goal, and to put yourself and say, "Hey, listen, for the team, I'm going to play. I'm going to be behind. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to take the responsibility for being the second quarterback in the game." And uh, I think I think what Nick did was the exact right thing. I think he approached it correctly with both guys. I think he said, hey, listen, you could transfer. And I want you to know both quarterbacks, 90% of the college teams in America today would take either one of them, okay? That being said, now these two guys, they get to demonstrate playing for the team. And what a wonderful way to approach it. And in my opinion, that's uh, – I'm very comfortable with that philosophy and that understanding, the team philosophy. But I think it's something that has to be approached, and it has to be approached right by the coach, and I think that Nick did a great job that way. If you say to that guy, hey, listen, I'm going to start this guy. I'm not going to start you. You're, going to, you're not a guy that's going to play every game. Um, and I know, you know, like Joe Burrow, that you want to go play. Well, guess what? Joe Burrow's made a tremendous difference in his career. He's right. going to get two years starting at, at LSU, and he's going to have an opportunity to play in the next league. And that is and also a consideration. So I, uh, 
I think you're. Uh, I think it's a, it makes it an interesting piece. I think the advantages for those guys like Alabama who can communicate with both quarterbacks and be honest and say, "Hey, you're both going to play." And you know, if if you say to one quarterback, "You're not playing," don't expect him to be here for next year. I mean, because if they can find a place to play, they're going to go. They're going to go find a place. Sure. To play. Look what happened. Look what happened at Clemson. Now, don't you have a bet? Because LSU goes to Florida this weekend, plays in the swamp. Florida coming off that big win where yeah, Dan Mullen yeah, went yeah. home and beat Mississippi. Don't the you old have ball coach? Yeah, the old ball coach has made is made. He, he can't say that. He, he, you know, you can't you can't you can't pretend that uh, that the old uh, Gator magic is there. I mean, the, you know, he's he's everything goes through him. He's just as, as excited as he can be about uh, this Florida team. And I, I I'm taking the uh, the uh, Louisiana team. I mean, it's just that simple. So what? So what's the bet? Well, here's the bet. Okay. I um. I have to wear a visor, you know, like a Florida Gator visor. Um, if in fact something were to happen un- unexpectedly, you know, like finishing second in this game uh, for LSU. What, but, uh, what's he have to do if, if if LSU wins? He has to eat grass. So I mean, I, I have to be honest with you. I think <laughs> I think it'd be so entertaining to see him have to eat, just to play the grass. I mean, I just I think that was exactly. I think the bet is. Is up and running. I think it's a, a uh, it's the right uh, style of bet. It's uh, good natured, certainly, um, but uh, it also um, on the game it keeps it keeps it keeps Dante. It does keep it interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Hey, hey, Godly, yes. that is all I know about Spanish. That's my best Spanish word. It's really good. It's really good. Uh, that you know, next time you go to Cabo, try that one out. See how see how it works. Exactly you know, right, cerveza yeah. also. You could go go with cerveza interesante. Cerveza is good. Yeah, delicioso is also very good. Where can we get more info on the bet? Um, the uh, you can you can check us out on Twitter. Both uh, Steve's Twitter and my Twitter um, have uh, you know have been what kind of what's going on. Who would who would have thought back in the day when we were lifting weights together? In that old weight room in Oklahoma State, that uh, you'd be in you'd the be, basement. Yeah, in the no. Yeah. Well, yes, we were, we would we would do the basketball weight room in the basement. That's right, or the one up on that's the second, right. uh, on the second floor. We'd be talking about your Twitter handle and Steve Spurrier eating grass if LSU beats Florida. Those are the days, Coach. Yeah. Thanks so much for catching up with us. We'll talk to you soon. Doug, same goes. See ya. All right, that's Les Miles. He is muy interesante. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. I was looking at the <clears throat> rivalry. Rivalry. It, it should be pointed out that uh, Peyton Manning had a run there from 2005 to 2009 where the Colts won five out of six against Tom Brady and the Pats. Now, excuse me, um, four of those six were against Tom Brady and the Patriots. 2008, Matt Castle was actually the starting quarterback for, for the Patriots. So I guess that's where the rivalry was somehow born. But since Tom Brady has become the starting quarterback of the Pats, his record is 14 and 4 against the Colts. It's been since 2009 that the Colts beat the Patriots. 2009. 
It's been since, since 2006 when they won in Gillette Stadium. 2005, 2006, back-to-back years, they won in Gillette Stadium. That was also when the Colts were among the best teams in the National Football League. Is it really a rivalry if over the last two decades, the Patriots are 15-6? and six? What do we think? Dan Orlovsky, by the way, our boy Dan Orlovsky, now works for ESPN. He was a starter one year in 2011. That was when, that was the year that Peyton Manning was out. Orlovsky was the starting quarterback. Andrew Lux never beat the Pats. He's 0-5 lifetime, nine touchdowns, 10 interceptions. And I think the answer is, yeah, it's more the Patriots have always been the nemesis. More the nemesis more than the rival. We okay with that as a definition? You guys know what a, a nemesis is very, very different. Um, a nemesis, I believe, I'm trying to think of the actual definition. It is a rivalry, but it's also, here it is, an inescapable agent of someone or something's downfall. They always beat us. You know, it's like the bad guys on um, Scooby-Doo. And I would have gotten away with it, too, if it wasn't for those meddling kids. Meddling kids were the nemesis of the bad guys. Here's Chris Ballard, who's the general manager of the Indianapolis Colts. Josh McDaniels, of course, agreed to terms to become the Colts' new head coach, and he changed his mind. Here is Chris Ballard shortly afterwards. All right, guys. Thank you all. The rivalry is back on. <laughs> the rivalry is back on. We're going to call the cops on them again and tell them they deflated the footballs and played better when the footballs were reinflated again. So there's the difference between a rival and a nemesis. And I would say uh, the Patriots are more the, the nemesis to the Colts than they are the arch rival to the Colts. Speaking of the Patriots, they get Julian Edelman back. Looks like Gronk's going to play. Coming off their best team performance of the year. They 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 now, it feels like their first round draft pick running back. Now we, we have like a legit between the tackles runner. Like we're starting to kind of just figure it out. So many other teams and fans approach the National Football League like it's college football. Like you lose week one, you lose week two. Hey, we're not going to college football playoff. That ain't the way it works, buddy. You don't want to do what the Chargers did last year and start 0-4 and then have to fight your way so that when you do give away a game, Patriots give the, the Chargers gave away a couple late, now you don't make the playoffs. But you also don't have to freak out over an early season loss. You can figure out what you have and figure out how you can fix it. I, th- I think it's going to be an interesting game, but I do think this is not a rivalry game. It's a nemesis game. Now, the... The Red Sox, the, the Yankees used to be the nemesis of the Red Sox. But I feel like that has changed. And look, the, the Colts, as much as the Colts and the Patriots, you want them to be rivals. It was different because it was Peyton Manning. Right? Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, two elite quarterbacks from essentially the same era, essentially the same age. Both ultimately won Super Bowls. Brady won more. Peyton Manning was the quarterback's quarterback. 
You know, what's fascinating about Peyton Manning is here he won two Super Bowls. And there, how many times did you hear Peyton Manning was the greatest quarterback of all time? And now because he's not in the game and Tom Brady has continued to play well, it's like we completely forgotten about it. Now Aaron Rodgers has replaced him as the guy who's won a championship but not enough championships to challenge as the GOAT in some people's minds. But it's really hard for it to be a rivalry when you have a different GM, a different coach, a different quarterback, a completely different scheme, different system, even if everything is the same for the Patriots. It's like, yeah, we're told we're supposed to not like each other, but whatever. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> 